right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta here on FM 1017-1320 Got to get to our college basketball stock market report. We'll have a new segment debuting at 4.05. And we also have uh, some KU football and KU basketball audio to share with you throughout the day here. Uh, One thing that I've kind of been toying with the idea over after watching the first two games, and we've, we've discussed how impressed we've been with Bobby Pettiford so far this season, freshman guard who decommitted from, I believe, Louisville or Louisville, as they call it, um, came to KU and, you know, we didn't know how much he was going to play because you have guys at that guard position. Uh, Remy Martin, who's the Big 12 player of the year in the preseason. Dwan Harris, who's coming back and obviously has played a big role. You bring in Joe Yesifu, you think he's going to play a big role. You just didn't know how much he was going to play, but he has looked so composed out there. He has looked just in control. And he, I, I think he's given a lot of people excitement about the future of Bobby Pettiford, but I, I don't think like we're, I don't know. Like th- there is a lot there from the future, but. I don't think where we're at right now is that far away from being to the excitement level in terms of how I'm viewing this. Like, I think he can be really good right now for this team, which he already kind of has been in relief so far. And I'm just curious if, because as we kind of mapped out the minute situation for KU, specifically once Jalen Wilson comes back yesterday, um, it becomes a little bit tighter with how many minutes realistically you have to give to that kind of third point guard and yes hypothetically it could be split down the line with Bobby Pettiford and Joe Yesifu and yes it could be something where it's just based on who's playing better that specific day but so far through two games Bobby Pettiford has had the edge on Joe Yesifu I would say and I just wonder if Joe Yesifu is going to continue to be buried in the rotation for Bobby Pettiford. One thing Bill Self has always taken advantage of when he's had a deep lineup is uh, the ability to yank guys quick if they're struggling, not just with their effort, like that, that'll that get them every time, but even if they're putting forth good effort but but struggling to grasp some of the concepts, he'll pull them quick if, you know, if he's got somebody to put in their place. Uh, Tyshawn Taylor was an example of that team. Now, he was a senior, so he understood a lot, but that 2011-2012 squad was an example of a team that was just not that deep, so you didn't have the luxury of pulling somebody if they were struggling. You just kind of had to deal with it. This team has that luxury. Um, but Bobby Pettiford, I went back, and, and he, he I well, if I saw right, it was 11 minutes against Michigan State, mm. which was the most minutes. It was the sixth most minutes of anybody on the team. It was definitely the, more the than most, The most minutes of anybody off the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that same thing, you had the, the sixth most minutes on the team against Tarleton State, the most minutes of anybody who came off the bench, he had 17. you got to think those numbers will go down again uh, once Jalen Wilson returns, and I think he'll go... Now, he may still have games where he's playing upwards of 14 or 15 minutes a game when they play more of these sort of rummies, um, you know... You, he, there's no, you know, there's no secret. He got more minutes against Tarleton State because they're beating them worse than they were beating Michigan State. But he got meaningful minutes against against Michigan State, and he made the most of them. Um, and so I would think that that goes down. He's he's sixth most in minutes so far this year. I got to think that'll go down to seventh once Jalen Wilson returns. But that's I don't know. It's it's going to be weird. It's going to be a weird battle because self a difficult thing self has is is you got to recruit Flaherty kind of talked about this uh, with the football team but you kind of have to recruit your team back now in in bat in, in basketball as well with the transfer portal mm-hmm. not only do you have to recruit high school kids you have to recruit your whole team to come back so self is is 
I'm sure that's on his mind to make sure that guys get enough minutes that they, they want to come back and play next year because the way Pettiford's played, he's got to be part of this part of future and self-size. Oh, absolutely. I, I think of next year's guard rotation, and I think you already feel great about next year's guard rotation, right? With At that point, Dewan Harris would be, what, a junior? Or, I, I know it gets all messed up with like COVID years, so maybe technically it'd be like a third-year sophomore. We'll call him a junior. Sure. Then. So junior, uh, Joe Yesfu would be like a junior, I think. Again, kind of weird with the COVID rules. And then Bobby Pettiford would be a sophomore. You feel good about that guard rotation, not just this year, but next year as well, which is exciting. But again, like you don't know if if Joe Yastafu gets stuck behind Bobby Pettiford in the rotation all of this year, is he transferring again? He's already well, he, used his free year. That's what I was going to ask. So he would have to sit if he transferred again, right? Yeah, absolutely. But so, still, I you know, will he be willing to do that or will um, – it's just it's, – it's been so long – well since before either of us were on the radio that KU has, has looked at, has had this kind of depth. 100%. And there's no indication that the transferring thing is going to happen. We, we have no idea. But um, as far as like that specific battle, I just find it so intriguing because you do have those just automatic questions nowadays in college basketball where if you don't get run, like, are you going to transfer? And so what does that mean if one guy beats out the other? Are we going to just see, like, is this just a small sample thing where it just so happens to be that Bobby Pettiford played better than Joe Yesifu the first two games? I mean, certainly Joe Yesifu last year was a guy who didn't really impact much with Drake over the first, you know, 10, 15 games of the year. But by the end of the season, he was averaging like 20 points per game over the last, what, 10, 15 games or something. So maybe he's just a guy that takes a little more time to get comfortable and, and get adjusted. And maybe we'll see that with Joe Yesfu. Or is it what I've talked about before, where I just kind of think that there's going to be a few games that we look back on uh, with Joe Yesfu and we just say, yeah, you know what? That was the Joe Yesfu game. He just went off for that specific game, but it's not something you count on each and every night. If that's the case, though, I would think Bobby Pettiford would be the more consistent guy moving forward. And the way that I kind of view it, I, I don't think there's any way you could view it, at least right now, through two games, again, very small sample size, and not say that Bobby Pettiford appears to be ahead of Joe Yesfu on that guard depth chart. Yeah, it's going to take, uh, you know, for for um, Pettiford to get in the game, well, he's going to get in games, but for, for Pettiford, Pettiford to have an increase in minutes once Jalen Wilson comes back, it's going to take either an injury, which you obviously hope never happens, or foul trouble, mm -hmm. which does happen. Uh to either Remy Martin or Dewan Harris or both with Yesifu, it's you're almost going to have to have an injury because I don't know like it would be a weird night in which Remy Martin and Dewan Harris and um Bobby Pettiford are in enough foul trouble that you need Yesifu to play meaningful minutes and that that'll be it, it, I'm trying to just envision a scenario in which in which Yesifu gets a whole bunch of runs so he can mm -hmm. have that kind of game you're talking about. And I think it would have to come with either an illness or an injury. Um, I don't know if Self is ever going to be the type where he likes to rest players, but there there always comes that, that game. They, they always play some kind of riffraff in, over uh, Christmas break that, you know, similar to the, the teams they start the season with that are kind of, games to get a lot of players in and ideally you're, you're probably going to win them by 25 or 30 like they did against Tarleton State so I, I think that that you know that would be the type of game that Yesifu would would go off in if, if he's going to have that opportunity and maybe self I don't know if, if self's looking to give him that opportunity maybe it comes this week against Stony Brook maybe he realizes okay Pettiford's you know this is how he's looked in live play and this is you know now let's see how Yesifu looks in live play or he just sees something in practice that he really just doesn't think Yesifu's ready. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, just kind of the crux of it for me, building off the, the minutes thing we were talking about yesterday. Let's just simplify this. Uh, I think we said Ochai plays 32 minutes a game when Jalen's back. Uh, Jalen gives you 30. Christian Brown gives you 25. Uh, Remy and Dewan combined for 55 minutes a game. That's 142 minutes. You have 160 between the one and the four positions. That would mean you have 18 minutes to divvy out between Joe Yesifu and Bobby Pettiford. And yes... I guess that is enough where you say that, okay, maybe Joe Yesfu gives you, you know, seven or eight. If it's a good game, maybe he gives you 12 and Pettiford's down at six. And otherwise, Pettiford gives you 10. And that is very much a possibility. But also, that's, you know, Christian Brown might play more than 25 minutes. Ochai might play more than 32 minutes. Remy might play more than 28 minutes. Dewan might play more than 25 minutes. And then you start eating out away at this. You might only be left with enough minutes once Jalen Wilson comes back to only play one of these two guards between Bobby Pettiford and Joe Yesifu. And if that is the case, 
It has to be Bobby Pettiford right now. If if Yesifu, the only way I could I could argue against that, if, if Yesifu, and this is just an if, mm-hmm. if Yesifu turns out to be a better scorer than Pettiford, then you could see a scenario in which uh, Yesifu is always coming in for Remy Martin and uh, Pettiford is always coming in for Dewan Harris because mm-hmm. they, they play similar styles. That's the only way. But, but as of now, just based on what I've seen in games, and I haven't been to any of the practices, I have such a difficult time believing Yesifu can come in and look as good as Pettiford has. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of what this all boils down to. Like somebody is going to be at the the sacrifice altar of minutes played, right? It's it's either going to be one of those two guys, Pettiford or Yesifu, or we mentioned, and again, that doesn't even count Jalen Coleman-Lance. So um, you have Jalen Coleman-Lance, Pettiford, you have Yesifu. Like, like one of those guys is going to get the minutes sacrifice and then if if you're going to have multiple of them play, then maybe one of your starters is going to have that minute sacrifice where, where we're not expecting them to play as much as we think. Uh, maybe it's Jalen just because of the role. You question, you know, coming back. But uh, every time Bill Self has been asked about Jalen, he has sounded very impressed. And that includes today. We'll, we'll share audio with you of Bill Self later on in the show. He, again, very glowing things to say about Jalen Wilson and how he impacts the team, how he is the guy that's going to allow the team to play so much faster overall, and he's the best defensive rebounder on the team. He just does so many things that makes me think he is going to have a sizable role. Uh, maybe not a starter right away. Maybe he makes him earn it back, quote-unquote, but I would imagine he's going to play sizable minutes. Again, Christian Brown, like we just said in that projection that left us with 18 minutes, 25 minutes a game. Well, guess what? He's playing over 30 right now, and uh, on top of that, yesterday on Hawk Talk, Bill Self basically said, yeah, he had a good game the other night, and he had, what, like 16 points, five rebounds, five blocks, a bunch of uh, – filled up the stat sheet. He said he's not even playing as well as he was over the offseason yet, right? So does that mean he's going to play more? Ochai is playing 35 minutes a game right now. We projected him at 32. Uh, Remy, if he ends up being, you know, all Big 12 as your point guard, is he only playing 28 minutes a game, which he's playing right now? I, I don't know the answer. I almost wonder, are we going to get to a point – and again, I feel silly even – even questioning this because Dewan Harris played, I think, more minutes than anybody except for Ochai in the first game of the season. Um, do we get to a point where a guy like Bobby Pettiford or Joe Yesifu is able to eat into Dewan Harris's minutes to allow them to maybe play more? Do you think we're could this be a sign we are running headlong into a, a situation similar to um, 2008? Where and and everybody knows what happened in 08, but I'm talking more specifically when there was no, I think it was either the coaches or the AP, but they had no um, all Big 12 players or at least no first team all Big 12 players because the minutes went around. You could argue there were seven players who were probably good enough to make that team, but none of them did because the minutes just you could not make an argument where this guy should definitively pay, play more minutes than this guy, and they just all of them got you know all of them got a bunch of minutes but none of them got a high high level of minutes like 35 it might happen at the guard at the like point guard position but i I think mccormick like that's the thing is the point guard is where i'm i guess there's there are few players on this team that can play multiple like ochai is going to play enough minutes that that's not going to matter um keep scoring like this he certainly will yeah and then center's you know, They're most centers aren't going to play 30 minutes a game anyway. So, yeah. like, David McCormick and Ochai are the guys I look at and say, yeah, they'll probably end up being first-team All-Big 12 if KU ends up winning the conference. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. I, I'm i just – there's I'm, I'm wondering what's the more likely scenario, a guy who gets his minutes severely cut or they just split. You know, that you've got two guys that are probably good enough to play, you know – 20 minutes each, but instead they they each have to go down to 10 or 12. Yeah, well, I mean, with that guard position specifically, you know, we've been looking at this as well. Dewan and Bill Self said this, like maybe he's closer to a 25 to 28 minute player a game. But even then, that was on the low things on uh, on Friday night. He played 25 minutes, which was definitely down from night one. And I do question, you know, is the lack of shooting, could that eventually hurt? Now, the talk in the offseason was that he was one of the most improved shooters on the team. And percentage-wise, he was a good shooter last year. Just uh, didn't take a lot of them, and he was just an open three-point shooter, not a guy that could get off his own shot, uh, basically if you're one-on-one or getting a shot over his, somebody. His stroke is a little a too long if he's guarded. Yeah. That, so, that's, that's kind of a problem. 
But as, as long as people are guarding him on the perimeter, that's the key. But if that ever stops and it's condensing KU's space, it becomes an issue. But again, we'll play this audio for you with Bill Self later, and he's a guy that just wins, and he, he kept mentioning how, you know, we're just a better team when Dewan's on the court. And so I just, there's a line there, right? There's a line I'm not saying Bobby Pettiford, I don't think, is ever going to this year usurp. Dewan Harris in the rotation, but could he eat away a couple of minutes? Same for Joe Yesifu. I think that becomes the question for me as we try to uh, kind of figure out I this ultimate puzzle. ahead of Yesifu right now. If we're talking about Pettiford. Yeah, I think, yeah. think Yesifu's solidly in third there. Yeah, yeah. Or fourth so. if you want to count Martin. All right, with Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. KLWN.com, depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on your beautiful Wednesday. That means it's time to talk to Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. And if you haven't read it yet, Jesse wrote an awesome piece kind of chronicling Jared Casey after the big two-point conversion grab against uh, Texas. I, I Before we get into just kind of the story of, of Jared Casey here, I... I'm curious because on Monday, I kind of talked about the fact that I thought this was almost, I don't know, redemption wouldn't be the right word, but it almost feels like the process has been right for Kansas in terms of being aggressive on these fourth downs and these situations, but you just see the the graphic that flashes before they don't get the fourth down um, in the fourth quarter of that game where it says they're first in the Big 12 and going for it on fourth down, but they're last in, in fourth down percentage, and it felt like, again, the process was right. The results just weren't there, which is a good lesson on its own. And it just it felt like pure vindication to me that they were aggressive enough to go for it on the two-point conversion, which essentially was like a fourth down in that situation, like it's do or die, and they end up getting it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those big-picture things that I think more coaches are embracing now. It's the, the process over the results. And that was a situation I actually tweeted about right before. So, excuse me, there was no... You know, hey, this is hindsight being 2020. Right when Texas scored its touchdown, I tweeted out, I said, look, Kansas gets this touchdown, they got to go for two. And it's pretty simple if you're looking at it from Kansas' standpoint. Um, just if you're looking from what has happened in this game, for one, KU's defense is worn down, which is something that Lance Leipold had talked about. But for two, and most importantly, Kansas was a 31 point underdog coming into the game. So anytime you get a chance to have a game be decided on a play that's 35%, 40%, 45% when coming into the game, your odds to win were like 1% or 2%. You take it. You take it and you run. So, um, yeah, for Kansas, it worked out for them. And as you mentioned, Derek, they've gone for a lot of fourth downs. They've been aggressive with that. Lance Leipold has explained why earlier and, and how he's kind of changed in that regard. And it hasn't always paid off for them, but it definitely did uh, going for the two-point conversion on Saturday. And you're right. It's one of those decisions that you make before the game and you have reasons for it. And that's the reason for it because um, it played out right for the Jayhawks and it got them obviously a huge victory for the, the program moving forward. And Jared Casey made that catch. Uh, what was your favorite part of just kind of chronicling his whole story and, and speaking with his parents and everything? Uh, I, I just, I can't help but think just, <laughs> I, I think Mike Finger uh, is the columnist for uh, the Texas Longhorns who wrote uh, about this. And I, I just, sort of can't agree with him more. Uh, I should pull up the exact tweet to get it right. Uh, but, you know, there's just something to be said about, there was a tweet out there that Texas has 42, three or, or four or five star recruits on the roster. Kansas had one, and we know who that one is. That one is Devin Neal, who went for whatever it was, 140 rushing yards, and then added a touchdown to the air as well. So, uh, I mean, Lance Eipold says after the game, it's, it's a David versus Goliath sort of situation. And for Texas to lose that game, not only lose it, they lose it to a guy who had never taken offensive snaps for Kansas coming into the game, was forced in because he told me today I think he's either fifth or sixth string uh, when it came to tight ends coming into the season for all the injuries. Just stuck with it. But yeah, here's Mike Finger's tweet. 
there is something so, so fitting about the most obscenely wealthy college football program on earth being humbled by a walk-on from a place called Plainville. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I think I just summarizes it pretty well, doesn't it? I mean, that, that summarizes the whole story. It's why Tom Rinaldi was in town for Fox yesterday. It's why College Game Day ESPN was, is trailing around to Lawrence somewhere today. Uh, this is the type of story which not only is why we watch sports, but why people are so drawn to college sports. I mean, it doesn't happen for the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't have a Jared Casey. You know what I mean? That they that doesn't exist. That that guy wouldn't get on a field. He wouldn't make it past tryouts. He wouldn't get past the cuts. But there's a chance in a two-point conversion when you're playing Texas as a 31-point underdog on the road that a Jared Casey might have to make his way in the game because of injuries or, or whatever. And, you know, he's been so humble about this. It's been uh, great to see him go and do the Applebee's commercial and kind of take this whole thing in. I uh, talking to his parents. You know, I read another story about them. They drive to every game, and they have now the viral video. And his mom was recording it, and they she told me she didn't realize he was on the field. They were all celebrating just because Kansas won, and then you hear in the moment how they realize that it's their son that caught the, the two-point conversion and the, the winning touchdown uh, you know, play. So it's, it's a cool story. Um, it's going to get its national attention. It should get its national attention. But like I said, I think you sometimes lose your way when you're following college sports, right? I mean, there's all this conference realignment and nobody likes it and it's all about the money and it's the bcs and the the seat and the college football playoffs and there's i'm the big business of it and you kind of lose your way and kind of forget about what the whole thing is about and why you you like to follow it and then you have a story like this which doesn't come along every year doesn't come along every few years and it just it sort of is refreshing and one real quick story uh <laughs> you talked about chronicling this it was just to give you some context we all get back up to the press box afterwards in Austin, start to write our stories, and uh, the Texas writers are great. I mean, a lot of guys, those guys have been there a long time, but um, pros, super professional. But one of them picked their head over the top um, to talk to me uh, about Jared, and he just hey, I just want to get this right. Is, is Jared a tight end or fullback? What have you guys been calling him all year? I just want to make sure to get it right in my story. And I just kind of laughed at him. I go, man, I just Googled him five minutes ago because I didn't know how to spell his name. <laughs> so... I mean, that's the, that's the Jared Casey story for Kansas. I mean, I cover Kansas. That's what I do for a living. Before he got that pass, I didn't know he was on Kansas's roster. So um, that really is the rags riches story, and that's why you're going to be seeing a lot about it here in the next uh, week or so when it comes to uh, stories. I mean, this is, this is Kansas's Rudy story, and uh, obviously it's, it's a great thing to have happened for Kansas, especially with Lance Seifold, and them wanting to have that next man up mentality. Well, Jared Casey was the next man up, and he definitely delivered in one of the biggest moments of the season. Yeah, and imagine that has to help you in kind of the walk-on recruitment and everything and the Applebee stuff. Well, that won't hurt either. Um, this is probably a question that, I don't know, we could have saved for one last thing with Adam, but uh, if you were a college athlete and you had to get an NIL deal, uh, what would be up your alley? College athlete? Mm. Man. Well, I know it's funny because Devin Neal got his NIL deal with Johnny's, but that was after he sort of talked about the cream cheese pizza pizza shuttle, which would have been one I could have highly endorsed um, in town. So uh, something like that. I, you know, for me, probably um, the thing that that I could endorse more than anything is like Coke Zero. Um, they could have a sponsor for life. I could definitely speak them up or uh, – you know, Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar, uh, you know, I'm probably uh, about a third of their profits every year. So, uh, yeah, those would be probably the, the main two products I could endorse fully. But, yeah, it's, you know, I, I do want to say this, too, and it's it's real easy to, to oh, Applebee's, blah, 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 blah. Listen, um, you know, I grew up in Emporia. There was an Applebee's there. Derek Casey grew up in Plainville. There's an Applebee's down the road in Hayes. Um, this Applebee's is, is fine. We all have gone there. We've all eaten there. I mean, he says he likes the bacon cheeseburger there. So, you know, I've seen some people copying, oh, don't eat that food. It's terrible, whatever. I mean, I get it. It's it's not the Ritz, all that sort of stuff. But but this is pretty cool for, for somebody like him. This is pretty cool um, to have a place you grow up, you grow up with, you know, a place you hung out with buddies, a place you celebrated high school, um, you know, <laughs> victories with, and I mean, it's Plainville, Kansas. It's got just under 2,000 people. I've got some family up there. I've driven up, you know, in that area before. Uh, you know, they don't have 45,000 restaurants like Lawrence, Kansas does. They've got the Applebee's. And so um, I, I just hope people don't go too harsh on, hey, it's Applebee's, blah, 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 blah. Well, listen, um, Applebee's is 
pretty cool and probably the side of a lot of fond memories for people like Gary, people like me, people, a lot of people growing up in the state of Kansas. So I, I just hope people kind of come at it with that perspective and understand exactly where he's coming from with this sort of thing. And it's a cool deal all around, no matter uh, which kind of your perspective you view this. Real quick, I don't have a question for you, Jesse, but just to echo your sentiments, like anybody listening, uh, if you look down your nose at Applebee's, nobody in this conversation likes you or has any time for you. <laughs> All right. That was harsh. Um, we're talking with Jesse Newell, Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com here. So what do you make of, of the quarterback position now with Jalen Daniels? We heard from Lance Leipold the other day, and you know he didn't outwardly state that Jalen will not be redshirting or that Jalen will be starting, and we saw the depth chart on Monday night had Jason Mean ahead of Jalen Daniels. So what do you think is going to happen this Saturday at the quarterback position? Jalen Daniels is going to start. Okay. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Um, so the depth chart did not change at all from last week. And to be completely honest with you, uh, I-, I think they were so busy this week with everything else that they just said, screw it, and didn't change the depth <laughs> Copy chart. Copy and paste. Uh, yeah. and, and also, Lance Leipold saying he might play. This is how he's played the quarterback position all along. He wants to keep it a competition. He doesn't want to name it. I don't know what it is about the, the water in Lawrence, Kansas, that makes KU football coaches <laughs> not name starting quarterbacks. But Lance Leipold has sunk that water, and he continues to drink it. So he was being very coy, but his smile gave him away. Jalen Daniels is going to start. Uh, yeah, I, the only I will say here, Derek, and this is um, a very strange thing to kind of talk about. Um, I, I I hope that it is okay on the team because you know Jalen was supposed to come out there and talk to us today um, uh, as part of the media session, and he wasn't there. I think for some health-related concerns, uh, you know, maybe uh, a bug going around the team, that sort of thing. So uh, <laughs> that would be pretty nuts, too. If uh, Can you imagine if, if Jalen Daniels does this crazy thing in Texas and then gets, like, a flu bug and mm. can't perform the next week against TCU? That would just be such a bummer. And then again, you'd have this whole retro discussion again next week. <laughs> then you only have one game that you have to sit out before uh, you'd have to retro him. So we'll see how that plays out over time. I'm sure we won't get an update before game day, but – uh, something to keep in mind, because if that is something that's at play, then it kind of could throw a wrench into uh, the rest of his game plans as well. Jesse, I'm curious on your opinion, because I think we've established that that if, if everything go, goes right, Jalen's going to start. But in your opinion, would you say, would you agree with the philosophy that if a player plays when their opportunity is called, even if it's because the starter is injured, if he proves himself as better, he needs to get that starting spot, right? It, it shouldn't. There shouldn't be some moral thing that, well, he, he played better, but he got that opportunity because of injury. We want to go back to the original starter. You don't agree with that philosophy, do you? Well, no, I, I think what it comes down to with Kansas is, I mean, Jalen played maybe the best game at quarterback that KU has seen since Todd Reesing. And so, yeah, you have to put him back out there. Um and and the bigger picture is this. If you're looking at this program, look at the momentum they have right now after the Texas win. And they probably won't win their last two games, but maybe they can. Maybe they believe they can. Maybe the locker room thinks they can. And maybe you can build upon this. I guess there's the point. This program will never be lower than it is right now. You know what I mean? Even after the Texas win. I mean, they if they do what they want to do under Lance Leipold. They will continue to build and have things better in place better developed, stronger, faster, all those sorts of things. It'll be better next year than this year. It'll be better two years from now than this year. And Jalen Daniels still potentially has three years left after this, even if he doesn't take a red shirt. So I, I think the big picture with this is, if you're Jalen Daniels, you came here to turn around a program. If you came to turn around a program, then you stay out there and you see what you can do. These last two. Hey, if you pull off another victory, that's huge. And then if you're Lance Leipold and staff, you say, look, Jalen Daniels, if he really is a guy and just plays amazing, you still have three years of him. And if you cannot recruit a starting quarterback to replace him in three years, then that's on you anyway. You know what I mean? Like you, that, That's something you have to do. You're going to be planning for uh, no matter what. So I, I think you just got to throw him out there. And I think that's kind of the decision that they all came to. And Jalen Daniels came to as well, to his credit. You know, they wanted to talk to him about a red shirt. He agreed to it. But, you know, once he plays that well against Texas and now that the thing has been rolling, you want to build some momentum in the program. You want to get some fans excited. You want to see how far that can take you. And the way you see how far he can take you is you throw Jalen Daniels back on the field and see how well he can do in his second game and his third game starting in this season. So we'll see how, how that happens if he does stay healthy here over the course of the next few days. And I think it was the right decision just based off of where this program now and just projecting that it's going to be better here in the next two or three years. 
switching over to some some KU basketball talk here for just a moment. Um, we've been kind of talking the past couple days about once Jalen Wilson comes back, like figuring out the rotation becomes uh, rather difficult, and it seems that somebody is going to be kind of on the chopping block. And uh, when you look at Ochai, Brown, Jalen, Remy, and Dewan, seemingly at those one through four positions, like they could total up, I don't know, 100 40 minutes or something like that between the five of them. And if that were the case, that'll leave you with 20 minutes at those one through four positions to play any of Bobby Pettiford, Joe Yesifu, Jalen Coleman lands. Do you view that as, as seeing somebody would be on the chopping block or do you think it is just kind of a situational thing game to game, depending on who would play? Yeah, I would probably see it as a game-to-game thing, and then I would also see if this is Bill stuff normally handles these things, which comes down to trust, and it comes down to sometimes these things sorting themselves out. I mean, nobody projected Jalen Wilson to get suspended before, so, um, you know, that happens, and then KU has a starting lineup now, and, and so you play it from there. I mean, Jalen Coleman lands. He has, he's dealing with a, a cracked toe, cracked big toe. Um, what if that worsens? You know, then that opens up some from some other guys. But, yeah, it's... I think it's just going to really depend on what happens in the next few weeks. You really can't predict the future. But other than that, Bill Self is going to look at matchups and he's going to look at who he trusts and who's been playing well lately. And so it'll probably be pretty important for some of these guys, like the Joseph Yesesus of the world, to start you know, showing that they can contribute and be relied upon and, and be trustworthy in the next few weeks. Because otherwise, as you mentioned, Derek, uh, this rotation to get pretty short pretty quick, and Katie's got a lot of mouth to when it comes to the rotation. So um, that's a great problem for a coach to have if you're not looking at chemistry, but uh, for these players that are already pretty talented and figure they'd be contributing on Kansas in some way, uh, yeah, it's going to make for a, a crowded house when it gets, comes to getting those uh, extra minutes. So uh, we'll see how it plays out, but I think that's how Bill Self is going to view it. He's going to see how it plays out from here and, and really adjust accordingly. Are you ready for your first kiss, Mary kill of the season? Let's do it. All right, sweet. So we got Iowa, Seton Hall, just scored the big upset over Michigan, and Texas Tech, who now, as of today, I think they announced Terrence Shannon Jr. is going to be playing from here on out. So Iowa, Seton Hall, and Texas Tech, where would you like to start? Yeah, I'll, I'll kiss uh, Seton Hall. I was highest on them in the AP poll this last week. I think I 21st. Nobody else had them above uh, 24, so I won't reach – too far to uh, pat myself on the back, even though I just did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with Seton Hall, and they've had some great defensive performances early on. I think they held their first two opponents to some of their worst offensive marks in the last ten years. So uh, I'm all aboard the uh, the Seton Hall train. Uh, I will marry Texas Tech. Um, I was unsure about them before the season started, but they've gotten off to a great start, and uh, they kind of have a nice combination of uh, you know good players. Uh, a coach coming back who knows the defensive system and Mark Adams kind of he was the the guru of the defensive system and so uh, yeah I think they're a team on the on the rise uh, looking at them right now and uh, obviously have have guys that have been there before I guess I'll kill Iowa no real great reason for that mm-hmm. other than um, their faster I'm sorry their football team was ranked real high and then you know it was terrible after that so maybe their basketball team's going to follow the same too okay well I mean with Iowa like Fran McCaffrey I think. It was like he finished exactly in Ken Palm or like hasn't finished above 20-something till last year. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, just kind of a solid program that hasn't been great. All right, that's Jesse Newell, the Kansas City Star. Jesse, before we go, uh, we let you go. One last thing with Adam. All right, Jesse, one last thing. Have you ever eaten a Baconator in a suit? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not. I warned you on Twitter um, but, that was coming. But, but the question is, whether that really is Bill Self mm. eating a Baconator in a suit or whether that's Bill Self's face photoshopped on another body eating a Baconator in a suit. Mm. Um, it's, it's the best of questions. The other thing is Wendy's Gate easily could replace Bill Self's – I mean, I know this is different uh, restaurants, but didn't they kind of have a look like the, the Burger King a little bit with the way he's holding the sandwich? I mean, maybe that needs to be the photoshop is to put the king's head on top of that and see what it looks like. Mm. You're, 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 you're the reporter. We're, we're yeah. just a couple of loud mouths. You're the reporter, man. That's for you to look into. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, nothing's ha- happened with Kansas Athletics in this last week, so I've got plenty of free time. I'll, I'll get right on that. Yeah, there we go. I can't wait for after the game tomorrow night. We hear in the, the post-game press our first question, hey, did you actually eat that Baconator? Looking forward to that. He's Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. Check out all those awesome articles, including about Jared Casey and his family. Jer- uh, Jesse, thank you so much for the time, as always, man. All right. Appreciate you guys.
All right, that's Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Welcome back in, 4 o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening in on FM 1017 or 1320 on your AM dial, klwn.com with Adam Dravetta, Derek Johnson here. All right, we've got a new segment that we're going to unveil right now. It is called Around the World with Adam. We are going to listen to some different stories that Adam has prepared and react to them. So, Adam, what is first up in Around the World with Adam? All right, first up, as I uh, search for some uh, some fun little bump music and that sort of fun stuff, uh, first up in the very first segment of Around the World with Adam... How about uh, the SpaceX capsule? It was uh, busted. The a very important part of the SpaceX uh, capsule was busted, and uh, the astronauts had to return to Earth in a, in a little different part of their uniform. You want to guess what was broken, Derek? I have no idea. The helmet? The toilet. The toilet <laughs> okay. on the capsule was broken. So oh, the, I thought you meant the astronaut uniform. No, no, no. The uniform, the, the, the thing that they had to then add to their uniform mm. was a diaper. Oh so no! The the astronauts had to all wear diapers to return to Earth. These are grown people, some of the smartest human beings on the planet. <laughs> just diapering it up, coming back to to Earth in diapers. It'd be funny if somebody was just like, "Yeah, but you know what? I don't believe in diapers. You know, you're just gonna have to roll with me pooping my pants." I uh, <laughs> I uh, this reminds me of two stories. Um, one is uh, in the two in 2007. The KU-Missouri game, I know a person, mm-hmm. and I'm ashamed to admit it. I, I I wouldn't call him a friend. We're friendly, but I, we've never hung out. Mm-hmm. I used to work with him, and he went to uh, he went to that game, and he knew it was going to be packed because KU was ranked second, Missouri was ranked fourth. He knew it was you know college game day. It was at Arrowhead, mm-hmm. so he just wore an adult diaper. Oh uh, man, because he knew he'd be drinking, and he, he yeah. I just didn't want to wait in the long lines. I mean, I I get it. Like, sometimes those lines take, you know, 30 minutes. You want to catch all the action. But is that worth it? I say no. All right. Uh, also, the other thing that reminds me of is is years and years ago, um, a woman, she was an astronaut, and she returned to Houston, and she had fell in love with this guy who was going to get married. Okay. And he was going to get married, I believe, in Florida. Their rocket ship landed. Of course, landed, this happens in Florida. Yes. Yeah. Their rocket ship landed back here, I guess, space space shuttle landed back in florida she is determined to stop the wedding so what she does to make sure she can maximize her trip from uh from houston to florida to stop the wedding is she just puts on a diaper and goes in that so she can wait wait, wait hold on she, she have to showed make up did she show up at the wedding with the dirty diaper? That I wonder. I don't know, or if they just asked her later. If she said she was like proudly saying that I was so prepared to stop this wedding that I had diapers. So as soon as I saw astronauts in diapers, this Derek, this is the second uh, diaper astronaut in diaper story of my life. Imagine of showing my adult up. Life. That's wild. Imagine showing up to the wedding and being like, "Does anybody object?" And you're like, "I do," and you're like, "I've loved you for." 14 years, Jeff, and he's like, listen, I, I hear what you're saying, but you stink. You, you got to go. Awful. You got to get out of here. That That is why, and like, I don't mean to be too TMI here, but like, imagine the horror because everything, you know, I don't want to go there, but everything floats around in space if they didn't have the diapers, you know, that'd be Well, that happened terrifying. on one of the one of the Apollo missions. You can go back oh, and, and no. read and read. That transcript is available publicly of, of such a thing happened. You don't see that in the movie Apollo 13. What's next? Uh, the next thing, um, Gunther the Fourth is selling right. a condo in Florida. The condo is worth 31 million dollars. It once mm-hmm. belonged to uh, Gunther Madonna. the Third. Oh no, it once <laughs> belonged to Madonna. Gunther the Fourth inherited it. Derek, who is Gunther the Fourth? I have no idea. I didn't know if that was like prevalent to the. I just thought it was like it's a ritzy name, and of course he owns a, a rich house. I have no idea who that is. Gunther the Fourth is a German Shepherd dog. He is the one no selling way. this condo. He inherited <laughs> it from uh, uh, Gunther, I believe Gunther the 
Um, let's see, he's the fourth. I actually believe he inherited it from like the second. Wait, so this isn't like a just a fancy doghouse. This is a full-on this condo? This is a $31 million condo for a that dog. a dog, for whatever reason, owns. Because uh, some lunatic oh owner left gosh. it to him. So, so wait, so does the dog... I don't know who gets the dog or if there's the trust set up for the dog or what the deal the is. The dog like invites his friends over and has parties and, you know... What? So... I, I have so many questions here about this. Um, first of all, I think it's kind of weird. I, I just want to address this, and I'm sorry if this targets somebody that's listening. If you have a dog who passes away and you get another dog and just name it the same name the second, oh, I think that, that is kind of weird. That tells me right now, right away, that you're rich. Oh, that they named him the same name? Yeah. They, yeah. They, oh, we're just going on the second, the yeah, third. 100%. The fifth. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that tells They think me it's right like the Queen of England, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, The next one, this also involves a dog. This out of Peru, a pet dog named Run Run. Uh, this, <laughs> okay. family, this family got uh, as a puppy. Mm -hmm. They thought, wow, this is a cute dog. We're naming it Run Run. I assume, um, I don't know if Peruvian is its own language or what language they speak in Peru. However, uh, this dog, Run Run, grew up. And they said, hey, wait a minute. This dog keeps eating all the uh, chickens and ducks mm -hmm. in the neighborhood. What's the deal with that? They tried to tame him. There's a specific reason why they couldn't tame him. Do you want to guess why that is? Because he likes to run everywhere. He was a fox. Oh, gosh. Their pet dog turned out to be a fox. Wait, so they didn't know. They had they no idea it was a fox. How do you not know a fox Until is it got older and started killing a bunch of birds. That And these people, these you know, these were birds that people owned as as. Uh, food sources oh and things like that. Ducks and chickens, as things kept killing. And they went, wait a minute. That is not a dog. That's that's a pet. That's a fox. I can't imagine how... Now, what do you do then? Do you just let it go in the wild? Or yes! You kill it? It's a fox! But do you kill it or do you let it go in the wild? No, you let it go. Well, now it knows where all the chickens and ducks are. That's a good point. Are. I think you got a... Uh that thing must have thought it hit the, the jackpot. I don't want to sound mean. I don't want Peter to come after me, but you know, I think you got to kind of old yeller it. That's uh, that's that's a lesson in stupidity. I mean, how do you not know that it's a fox? Like it, it is pretty clear to me what a fox looks like compared to a dog. I would almost like I would I would be more okay if you confused it with a coyote. Exactly. I, do you think a fox looks more like a cat or a dog? I know that up the hierarchy of animals, they're more closely related to cats. I could see um, it being more to a dog. They behave a lot like cats. Did you see the fox that ran on the football field? Was it last weekend or the weekend before? Uh, no. You didn't? It like ran on the football field, and they couldn't get it out. They were like trying to chase it down. As you imagine, very agile animal would make a great running back. Um, They, they had trouble getting to it, and eventually it ran up into the stands. It got off the field, went up into the stands. People are like running away from it, hoping it doesn't get up. That thing was scared so much because there's giant humans everywhere. And and eventually it ran up and down the stadium, then back onto the field, then back out the other way. They eventually got it out. It was a, it, it was mayhem all around. Um, and I doubt at any point anybody looked at that thing and said, you know what? It'd be great if I had a pet fox. I mean, I think they're cute, but I, I also like, I think a raccoon is quite cute. I'm not going to take one in. Um, People do that though. Yeah, I know. They're weird. Yeah. So, next up, a message in, in a bottle. This was sent from Florida by a family uh, from, I believe it said, uh, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. His family from Minnesota was on vacation. Uh, they tossed a bottle, a message in a bottle with a little note that says, hey, if you happen to get this, contact me just for fun. Okay. Uh, they put the business card and $2 in there. This is Launch like the fancy version of writing your name and number on a bathroom wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Launched yeah. it into, well, they didn't say give me a call in like a no, no, that's romantic what, yeah, that's way. What I mean. but this, like, is, this is the fancy a, version hey, of that. Hey, it'd be a fun yeah, story. Right. They launch it into the Atlantic Ocean years and years and years later. It turns up in Portugal. Oh. A man and his wife and their kid and their dog, their dog, not their fox, yeah. were out for a walk on the beach. <laughs> they find this wine bottle. They they pop it open. They see the note. They get in touch with these people who are in Minnesota now. Um, that's where they live. They were on vacation in Florida when they launched the bottle. And years and years later, 3,000-plus miles away, a bottle, Derek, can make a trip across the Atlantic. The Titanic could not. I think, uh, you know, uh, first of all, a lesson in, um, I don't know, pridefulness, you know, they yeah. say at the beginning of the Titanic, right? They say, 
this boat could never sink. Yeah, God himself couldn't sink the I, ship. Yeah. You I, toss a bottle into the Atlantic, you're, like, you're oh, going to that go, that's going to sink. probably sinking, right? Yeah. So sometimes you just need to, you know, we do that with sports. Don't have jinx some humility. It, right? yeah. yeah. Have some humility. Don't jinx it. So that is important there. Um, I, I love those stories just to begin with. It's kind of homey. It's, you know, you wonder if those cool. two, like, if those two are going to keep in, like, right. They're, it's a couple. It's two couples. So no one, you know, I, I, I hope it doesn't end the marriage of anybody. No. But if those couples keep yeah, it, you know, right. keep in touch, and um, that would be a lot of fun, right? I yeah. Mean, think about, you know, you probably weren't even thinking about that. No, I right? mean. Like, you, you think about that for like two weeks. And then it completely leaves your mind. Oh my gosh, I sent that bottle. That's well, right. Like, it, it can be hard to meet new people. It can be hard to meet new friends, you know? So what's one way to do it? How about a message in a bottle? Have the chance. And maybe maybe if you don't want a new friend right now, and you're like, you know, in 13 years, I just might toss a bottle. That's perfect. Yeah. It's like, it's like investing in something. You're investing instead of the stock market. You're investing in a friend, a friend of the future. Yeah. And, and I, I like to think like, what was... What was the person going through? Like the, the the people who got it, I don't know how old they are mm-hmm. now. But what was their life 13 years ago? You know, it, like it was. It, it's this weird. Like you think about destiny and providence. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, they got there at that moment. It's it's kind of it's weird to think about. It's funny too because like think about a message in the bottle like that used to be you know one of the. I don't know, best forms of communication. There just wasn't any other ones. I just, you think back in like the 1400s or like the 1300s, like now we'll we'll unearth like people's old tweets when they get drafted in the NFL. And it's like when he was 12 years old, he, you know, uh, basically said a rap lyric that had a bad word in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think somebody like back in the 1400s is like, you know, we're, we're voting for this guy to be the, I don't know, the mayor of the town. But did you see his old message, message in the bottle? In a bottle. Yeah. No, I was a different person back then. Right. I was a confused little yeah. kid. I sent that when I was eight years old. I was different. It's just got found out now. Yeah. Um, Are there any others? Yeah, there's one more, uh, a little less romantic, but uh, this. What What do you think it was, Derek, that went that washed across the Atlantic Ocean from Myrtle Beach to Ireland, also washed up on shore? I mean, everything I've tried to guess has been so completely random from what it is. I don't know. What? Garbage can. Yep. See, Garbage can that. somehow got loose in the ocean. I'm not sure how. Mm-hmm. And they found it. It had barnacles all over it, but there was enough lettering left to know that it was from a certain trash company mm. in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So somehow that got loose. Uh, as far as I know, there was no- Wait, when did that happen? Uh, within the last couple days. Do you think there is any correlation with that? Coastal Carolina got upset by uh, Georgia State or Southern, one of the GSUs. Um, that happened on Saturday. Is it possible? They, they sent it? Yeah, they're in Myrtle Beach. What if they just pushed it out? Just angrily, just taught like, some Coastal know. Carolina fan just angrily launched yeah. their garbage can into the ocean? Uh-huh. Maybe. Um, I doubt it, but hey, maybe. <laughs> uh, but that would be, wouldn't that be weird? You come across, I don't know. Like some people, you see the videos where it's like, I'm mad at my team. I break the TV. And this yeah. guy just like tossed a whole. Lost an entire garbage can. Garbage can. We're never going to get that again. We're but never going to get that back. What's I wrong know, right? with you? <laughs> but hey, guess... you'll never guess what I found. <laughs> you said that it was from, where was it from though? From Myrtle Beach. It landed in Ireland in County Mayo. Yeah. I feel like that'd take way longer to get over there. Yeah. I can't imagine know? it happened. Maybe it happened after a big Coastal Carolina victory. Well, I guess it could have happened maybe their ago. first loss. Yeah, yeah, The first yeah. loss to Appalachian State. No, that would have been a month you, and a half well, ago, maybe? Well, it took years for that bottle to cross the Atlantic. But that thing's Man, I small. Think of, this thing is big, right? That's also, true. One hurricane and you're there. I don't also, know Also, I wouldn't works. have guessed. Maybe I'm just... Maybe this means I'm I'm far too um, uh, American-centric. Mm-hmm. I always just imagine the tides all washed this way. <laughs> like, if you go to the ocean, the tides are always coming into land, right? I wouldn't have pictured anything carrying something... From America mm-hmm. to Europe, I would have always pictured it coming the other direction. Well, how American of you. How American, I guess, Adam. Yeah, yeah, look at me. No, I actually kind of thought the same thing. Uh, All right, good. All right, we're on the same page. That is Around the World with Adam. I'm Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. About a quarter till five on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta here on RCST. Uh, last week, we did our inaugural college basketball stock market season report, and we 
basically had a thousand dollars of fake money to spend on teams, and, and we should have shorted Missouri. We should have. Um, they lost to UMKC, which is never a good sign. And I believe it's just Kansas City now. Oh, that's right. They did change over to that. Which I kind of like. Yeah, I like that too. The uh, ruse. Yeah, the it's gotta be a good branding play. Um, so they lost, but uh, pretty much the rules here is there's adjusted EM, which is basically your measurement of how good you are. It's your your offensive efficiency adjusted to the strength of schedule minus your defensive efficiency adjusted to the strength of schedule, and you come up with a big number. The higher your number, the better you are. Um, usually the best teams in the country end up around 25 to 35. Um, so that is the stock price, and you can't take anybody who's at zero or below. They have to be in the positives for their adjusted EM. So hypothetically, like last week, I took uh, 10 shares of Duke stock, and Duke last week was in the preseason at a 21.95 adjusted EM. So it cost me, for 10 shares of that, $219.50. And I had $1,000 to spend. You can spend as much or as little of it. You just have to be above $500 of your spend in action at uh, all times. Um, so, just to recap who we had after the first week, I had 10 shares of Duke stock, 10 shares of Houston stock, 10 shares of Kentucky stock, 5 of Michigan State, 10 of North Carolina, and 20 of DePaul. For Adam, he had 5 shares of Duke stock, 5 shares of Texas stock, 20 shares of Milwaukee stock, 10 shares of Arizona State, and 5 of Florida State after the first week. Regretting so, Texas. Well, you're going to be regretting a couple of these. Okay. Actually, Texas is not one you're going to be regretting. Um, did, they, did they go up? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, so based on that in the first week, I had spent $966. I have put most of my money into the stocks. $34 left over. Adam is leaving a sizable amount left for a late push. He invested $552 and has a little over $447 uh, left of his stocks. To recap what happened. In this first week plus a couple days, we both obviously had Duke stock. That was a profitable inv uh, profitable investment for us so far. Duke has played four games somehow already. Um, they beat Kentucky in the Champions Classic. That's the big one. Then they blew out Army, Campbell, and just destroyed Gardner-Webb. And now they have a couple other easy games before they play Gonzaga um, the day after Thanksgiving and then have a tough one with Ohio State. I'm not going to sell any Duke stock as of yet, but they have been profitable for both of us. They're... Uh, Share price went up from twenty one ninety five to twenty two eighty four. So Almost I've a buck. Yeah, I've gained about nine dollars on my Duke stock. Um, you've gained about five dollars. I'll take it. Um, I almost think even if they grab some wins, I don't think they'll beat Gonzaga. But even if they grab a win, um, let's say against Ohio State or what was the other more difficult game you said? They Gonzaga had? and Ohio State. Are okay, the, ones the two, and, and I imagine Gonzaga is a neutral floor. Gonzaga, yep, because they don't like playing uh, road games. Um, um, Where's Ohio State? It's away. The only reason they're playing on the road is because they have to for the, the Big ACC, Ten ACC. Big Ten, yeah. yeah, I gotta imagine they're they'll want they'll win at least one of those, and a close loss to Gonzaga won't won't knock them back too mm -hmm. much, if at all. See, I'm gonna hang on to them. I am too, but I might sell them next week before the Gonzaga Ohio State games. The games they play this week, Lafayette and the Citadel. I'd imagine they're going to move up a little bit there, but we'll we'll see what it ends up being for Gonzaga Ohio State. But uh, they're doing well so far. I had a uh, stock in Houston. They've made me actually they're my uh, second most profitable team right now. Uh, they've made me thirteen dollars and sixty cents. Their adjusted EM up from twenty one ninety to twenty three twenty six. Big reason why was last night they blew out Virginia, beat them by twenty points. So they've been good for me. Virginia's um, not been good the start of this year. No, they have not. Which is maybe a possible buy low candidate. Interested in any Virginia stock? Not right now. No? But, I mean, dude, they're not good. Get in and on it low. Trust Tony Bennett. I think that would be an interesting one to put money on. I'm not going to this week. Um, I have Kentucky as well. They actually lost me a slight amount. They've been down like .07 in adjusted DM. Michigan State is down .01 in adjusted DM. Uh, I kind of knew the Kansas game might not be their game, but I'm, I'm still buying into them long term, so I'm going to hold on to that. Uh, North Carolina has been disappointing for me. Gone from 16.11 down to 14.46. They've lost me $16.50. They've won every game they've played. They're just winning by closer than they're expected to. So I I feel like I, I should stay by, bought low on them because right now in Ken Palm, uh, North Carolina is number 50. And I think they're going to end up being better than that. So I, I'm going to stay bought low on them. Um, your teams, as mentioned, 
Texas has actually gone up. You've gained a dollar on Texas. You had five shares, and their adjusted EM has gone up 0.2. Who'd they beat? They beat um, – they had a decent win, I thought, didn't they? So they're one and one right now. Yeah. They blew out they, Houston Baptist, who ba- okay, is literally so one of the 10 worst teams in the country. So they didn't the have a good win then. Uh, no, but, but they I, just I, beat them by so yeah, much. Yeah, but they – um, and then they got rolled. But they came back late in the yeah, second but that half. Game, I guess I got lucky there because that game was not – No, I mean, they ended up losing by 12. You could say, yeah – it. it you could go the other side of that and say at halftime it shouldn't have been 20, but it should have been 17 if they hadn't canned that, that heave at the end. But even then, that game was way closer than it indicated. And, and I don't know, maybe that'll show some fight, and in the long run that will help, and, and that, that you know they'll they'll have a game where that fight helps them come back and win. Um, I still like Chris Beard. I'm, I'm still keeping them for the long run. So your big losers, Florida State's lost you a little bit, 325. They got upset by Florida. In the early going, um, but here's the ones that have lost you big money. Milwaukee has you put 20 shares into Milwaukee at 534. They've got that five star Patrick Baldwin. They lost early. They have already lost you 22 dollars and 60 cents. So that's not great. But they're still so low at 421. Once you get into conference play with them, like that's it's kind of my thought. And they still got a really, mm-hmm. they've still you know they've got a, pretty easy. They've schedule. got a probable one and done. And they're so cheap, man. The one that has lost you the most money is Arizona State. They, oh yeah, yeah. With that, uh, the full court heave from UC Riverside, they have lost. Well, they shouldn't you. have been that close anyway. They would have lost me money exactly. even if they won that game by a point. That would yeah, have lost me. You money. have ten shares on them. They've lost you twenty four dollars and fifty cents to this point. So, will you be selling or buying any teams? Yeah, dump everything in, in Arizona State. Really? Okay. Wanna, All right. Uh, no. Uh, who who else did they lose to besides UC Riverside? Did they lose to somebody else? Or maybe they played too close. No, they're two with and somebody. one right now. Um. They beat Portland by 16, lost to UC Riverside, and then beat North Florida, who's ranked 239 by just nine points. Yeah, dump them. Okay, so you're going to dump Arizona State, so I'll add that to the stocks. Do you want to buy anybody? Some teams that I Um, kind of bookmarked that are kind of interesting that you could buy low right now. Um, Villanova is ranked 10th in Yeah, because they they just fell off on a... To UCLA uh, in overtime. Really good. Probably should have won that game, honestly. Yeah, and they they played really well. Yeah. um, Texas Tech, the team that Jesse Newell is marrying, they're getting Terrence Shannon back. They're 12th in Ken Palm. Um, you could buy low on... Um, Where Do I have anything in Sparty? Michigan State? No, yeah. you do not. You want to get on board with them with me? Yeah. I, I mean, I, they're 25th right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give okay. Me Sparty. Um, give me... Um, what I, did I just $18.81. A share? Uh, yes, a share. And, yeah, give me 10 180 bucks. Okay. Um, so you'll get 10 shares of that. There's also some other interesting teams. Seton Hall just upset Michigan. They're still 30th I in like Ken Palm. I Seton Hall, man. They're still 30th. Now's the time what's to their, buy in. What's their, uh, How about ju- Oregon at 40th after they got blown out by BYU? Now's the time to buy low what's on them. What's the adjusted, what's the, 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 the number for? Seton um, Hall is at 1830 is the cost of one share. And Oregon would be 1609. Into, I mean, they have a real shot at if, I mean, West probably, Virginia. They're, they're pro- I can't imagine them overtaking Villanova, but they mm-hmm. could easily take second in the Big East. Do you go uh, Bob Huggins? Trust in him. He's going for fifteen ten a share right now. I don't know where they're going to score. They have no size, man. They're going to have trouble scoring this year. Virginia twelve forty five. No, I, you, good God, man! One of their losses, they scored fifty eight points. <laughs> they they how many? They, that would have gotten them a thirty point win in previous Tony Bennett years. <laughs> Uh, so they can score, but they can't defend. Here's Virginia's which is upcoming three games, do. though. They're playing Coppin State, who's ranked 350th, Lehigh, who's ranked 286th, and Georgia, who is maybe the worst Power Five team. That's fine, but they've got. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just. I don't know. I. I, okay. I I'm not. I'm not going with. Um, and who do they have in the ACC Big Ten? They have Iowa. That's, that's good. Ugh. We talked about earlier about Fran. Um. I'm just saying, if you think by the no. end of the year Tony Bennett writes the ship and they're a tournament I, team, I now don't. is the time to buy them. No, I okay. don't. Um, I do. My thing about Seton Hall, I really think they could finish second in the Big East. I just don't know if that's what would that jump them to like a twenty three. I mean, that's you know, so that would, if I get ten I mean, shares, it's fifty more bucks. Yeah. Yeah, give me ten of Seton Hall. Okay. Another well, like for instance, another hundred eighty uh, bucks in twenty twenty. Seton Hall was that's a bad comparison. They were only twentieth in Ken Palm that year. But they would still be up from what they are now. Well, 20th now in Ken Palm will be 
20th in March will be higher than 20th right. is now. In, in okay, so you're putting 10 shares on Michigan State, 10 shares on Seton Hall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I The only thing I'm going to do this week, I'm going to sell my oh, DePaul stock. Oh, no, and stock. I, sold, I sold Arizona Yeah, State. yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I am going to sell my DePaul stock. They have made me nice money. They have been my most profitable team so far. I had 20 shares of DePaul at 317. They've gone up to 430 a share. I'm getting out on them now before the schedule gets difficult. Um They've made me $22.60, so I'll sell out for $86, and then I'm going Charlie to reinvest. Moore. I'm going to buy five shares of Oregon stock, 1609. They're ranked 40th in Ken Palm. Dana Altman always gets his teams together in the second half of the season. They just got destroyed by BYU last night. That's great for me because I wanted to buy in on them low. The schedule starts to ease up um, a little bit. They get Chaminade in the uh, Maui Invitational, and then they'll probably get a couple tough games so in the Maui one of those, Invitational. You're one of those ruthless investors who who wait for recessions. Exactly. It's awful. You wait for what's bad for America yeah. to make money for you. I'm like, uh, oh, uh, shoot, what is the guy's name in uh, the big short? Christian um, Bale? Yeah, played by Christian Bale. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the actual guy's name, no, but I'm that either. guy. I'm just going to, uh, you know, make money off other people's unfortunate losses. Michael Burry, Dr. Michael Burry. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, so that is our college basketball stock market report. Uh, we're going to take a time out here. When we come back, we'll have our final hour of the show. This is Rock Jock Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN and KLWN.com. Depend on it.